Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real 2. My name is Michael E. Cullen II, and with me as always is... Sesame and Carta, Don't You Forget It. Is Don't You Forget It part of the the name? No. Don't You Forget It, or you're going to have to Encarta it to know my name. Because Encarta is a Microsoft software... Microsoft software, micro software, um, that mm-hmm. pretty much predated Wikipedia. But it was really cool because it came on CD, and then there was like visuals and videos you could watch and had audio files. Really, it was pretty much Wikipedia before Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I've decided to change my name too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So what? I am now. Please open the door, Wikipedia. <clears throat> Please open the door, Wikipedia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, people say, like, open sesame, so I thought I'd... Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah, just being, I'm being very polite with my name. It's like, please, please open the door. Um, yeah, please, please clap, you know, or please laugh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and I asked the listeners to laugh at my bad joke. Yeah, well, <clears throat> please. You know, if, if if you if you lack confidence, you know, for a moment, you can always go with um, pleading. So that sometimes mm-hmm. works out. You know, yeah. That that was my whole plan. You know, if I ever, you know, became a stand-up comic, I would just get on stage and beg people to laugh at my jokes. <clears throat> yeah, nothing wrong with you know a little bit of vulnerability. So you know, yeah, could work. Depends on how you how you approach it, but uh, I mean, let me let me know. let me try this out, okay? Yeah. Okay, folks, welcome to the show. Um, please laugh at me. Well, you first have to tell a joke. Oh, you can't just... shit. Okay. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, hey, gotta, hey, folks. Uh, tell a joke. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, folks, take my wife, please. Eh. No, that's an that old one. Old joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Not... It's probably actually, you know, that actually could be an interesting sort of disorienting type of humor where you just like offer jokes, like without any context 
and just keep and just like run them down like that, and that's like your whole set. Right, just right, just help punch lines. Yeah, that's it. And like you don't, <laughs> you, like you don't break, like you, just, you don't like take a beat. Just like, do it. Hey, folks, uh, to get to the other <laughs> side, please laugh. <laughs> and then just say please laugh for like next yeah. five minutes. Please. Sort of Andy Kaufman type of thing, you yeah. Know? And then um, it's like performance art. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about Moon Knight, I think, though, right? And then we're just like, please laugh. Please laugh at Moon Knight. No, don't. No, laugh. no. Uh, so um, something not to laugh about. If you happen to hear uh, cars in the background here, folks, um, there's a randomly. I didn't know anything about it, but the night we scheduled for recording. Um, <laughs> down the street from where I live, they're deciding to have this this monthly car cruise that they have where a bunch of cool cars go driving down the street and stuff, And but a lot of them rev their engines and stuff, so <laughs> so a bunch of like classic cars and Jeeps and stuff like that, so, you know, and motorcycles, so you know, good times. And give it a little buzz, you know, a nice mm-hmm. little... You know, a little bit dip, something different. And I might actually go watch it next month. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> didn't know about it until I, I went for a walk earlier and saw them. But anyway, uh, so so folks, Moon Knight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Moon Knight. That's what, mm-hmm. what we're all here for. So, what were your thoughts here on episode five of the series? <clears throat> I <clears throat> really liked it. Um, <clears throat> my only problem... It's not from the episode itself. It's the pacing <clears throat> of where the show is going. So, like, it seemed like, you know, for the first three episodes, we had a lot of momentum going on. And then, you know, starting episode four, not a lot really happened, which is fine. Because, you know, but then episode five, and it's like, okay, so two episodes are really not a whole lot is happening, at least uh, materially happening, and then now we only have one episode left to wrap everything up. And it seems it seems to be a theme for all the MCU shows so far. And you think maybe at some point, hey, maybe try something different because this formula isn't really working. A lot of people complain about it. You think maybe change course a little bit, but apparently they like doing it this way. I guess I don't know. But um, it's it's funny me, because you thought like number four and five didn't really have a lot happening, and I thought three didn't have anything happening. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't. I just, we just disagree on that because I don't. Yeah. I don't know how you see it that way because there's a lot of action and a lot yeah. of stuff going on. Well, stuff going on doesn't mean that the story is going forward, and that was my issue with it. I yeah, I disagree. I think there was a lot of stuff going on in that, but well, uh, four, I don't think I don't think it moved the story forward as much as the first two mm-hmm. episodes. I don't know. I just yeah, I just have a different take on that because they went to Egypt and they're trying to find the tomb and all that stuff. So all that set up for episode four. But no matter, we just see things differently. Well, no, time, it but, set uh, it up for episode four, but not a lot really happened. Yeah. Again, we just have a different take. That's <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah. Um, but I do think that this episode revealed a lot, but a lot didn't happen because they're stuck in the afterlife. But as well as the last yeah. episode, which I agree with you on that aspect. See, what I would had hoped they had done was that they may have, you know, cut, do what they need to do with the first half 
of episode four and then starts the asylum thing probably halfway through episode four and then halfway through episode five. So that way we have an episode and a half to wrap everything up instead of, because a lot of times it seems like the finale episode is shorter than a lot of the other episodes are in a series. So it's like, not only do you have to wrap everything up in one episode, you're also giving less time to do so. And and you're going to hate what I've read somewhere. Well, no, I don't want to hear anything. uh, Spoilers or whatever. No, it's not spoilers. Oh, okay. All it is is about the runtime. Okay. What is it like? 20 minutes or something or it's supposed to be like 40 some minutes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) I don't know if they do this intentionally or if they just get in a loop where they don't know what they're doing or if they just like frustrating people. I don't know what, you know, deal is with that, but, um, but yeah, it seems to be an ongoing problem. But Uh, I think a lot is probably going to happen in the last episode, even though it's short and so far this, I've loved this show more than any of the other shows. Yeah, me too. It's crazy. So, um, so I think that we don't know what to expect, and I like that. Whereas after WandaVision, I started to kind of know what to es- expect in the finale. Yeah, like with Falcon, we pretty much predicted everything that was going to happen. Yeah. And, um, I mean, almost down to like... I mean, uh, sometimes things happen that I predicted would happen but i didn't like that they happened too like i didn't like the ending of loki yeah um you know stuff like that so it's, it's hard to say i did like hawkeye a lot so yeah hawkeye was good mm-hmm. but that also had a few problems with pacing as well yeah and um well that, that's that's like we said with the, pro- the problem with it is is i mean what no matter what episode it is even if we don't agree on which ones are the filler episodes it feels like a lot of this could almost have been done in, um, like, you know, a three-hour movie. Yeah. As opposed to as opposed to a six-episode story arc. Yeah, see, I, I, don't, I don't think episode four and five are filler episodes. I just think that if you're going to do two episodes where it's more of like a mental journey as opposed to anything that's going on physically you should probably at least have seven episodes instead of trying to wrap everything up into one. That's my main thing. Like, I don't know why the MCU is so focused on a number of six episodes. Like, yeah, like, I, I don't get that. Like, why, why can't you make it eight or well, seven or one division you know? had eight. Yeah. But those were shorter episodes though, too, for the most part. Um, yeah. I mean, they, the, the, some of the series has had eight, so it's, it's hard to say. Um, what if had, I think, I think what if had eight or nine. Yeah. Um, but they were shorter episodes as well, like sometimes 20, 28 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. These episodes have largely been at least 50 minutes, counting the credits and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so I, I have no problem with episode four and five not like, having too much action in it. It's just like, like if you have two whole episodes like that, and like if you, and if you say episode three was also, so that's like three episodes with really like a lot of buildup, but then you got to then then you got to make it all come together with just one episode. Like, I don't know. It just, um, and we'll see who knows what, what they'll do. Maybe they're going to give this one the second season. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be disappointed because yeah, like this is well, my favorite show so far. And I think, I think know. the best thing is just like, like we should just go in with no expectations and that's what I'm planning to do. So yeah. good or bad expectations. Cause if you go in a negative attitude, you're probably going to not like it, but yeah. Anyways. Um, so what happens in this episode? 
Um, <clears throat> so they, um, they, you know, they meet the um, Talareth, um the hippopotamus goddess of like fertility, uh, children, also sort of like uh, guidance, like you know, into the afterlife. And um, uh, we we kind of go back and forth uh, between the asylum and what's going on with her. So like <clears throat> Mark, you know. He's back, you know, talking to Dr. Harrow again. And, you know, Dr. Harrow's like telling him that he's like, I think his words were he's violently vacillating between like nonsense and sense. Like he can't keep, get a hold on like what's, what's actually happening because he's like <clears throat> being triggered when he's trying to relive like a certain moment of his past or whatever. And then, but then we go back to, you know, what's actually going on with the hippopotamus. So then we eventually, we eventually learn that the asylum is actually the illusion and what's really going on is the hippopotamus goddess because Mark, you know, is insane clinically. I'm not saying that as like an insult. I mean, just like, like the word itself, he's insane. Like, yeah. You know? And so in his mind, that was like, I guess, just sort of comfort space in a weird way, I guess, um, you know, where he's talking to Dr. Harrow, which is again, is interesting too, because so it's like, in, you know, in his fantasy, Arthur Harrow is a psychiatrist. So like, <clears throat> like to me, that almost kind of implies that he sort of trusts him or agrees with him a little bit. About I, what he, I took he it as another, as, as a different way where oh, yeah. he cast the psychiatrist as the villain Oh, okay. Because he's afraid of opening himself up. Oh, okay. So, because he puts on these other identities to block himself, you know, from pain and other things, and he doesn't want to reveal his pains. Right. And so, in that way, you cast somebody who's villainous in your life in the role of the doc of the psychiatrist or the therapist in the afterlife. Right. Yeah, so... There's you know a lot of interesting stuff going on. I mean, Talaret, she's explaining to them that there's you know pretty much like an infinite plane of consciousness, pretty much what we've been sort of building up in, in phase four of the Marvel movies, getting into a lot of spiritual, metaphysical things, you know, stuff like that. And um uh she basically uh <clears throat> says that they need to um have their hearts balanced on the scale, you know, with, with like a feather. And uh, they're supposed to, you know, if, if they can't get them, you know, if they can't get the scale to stop moving, then the duat, which is basically like, like the sand, like you just get thrown overboard and you get frozen in sand. And that's pretty much your, your afterlife is just being stuck there, I guess, permanently. And, uh, and so they have to like, basically um, reveal to each other what they're hiding from each other, I guess, in order to like get a better understanding of each other, which mainly is Mark hiding stuff from Steven because Steven doesn't really have like a secret, you know, type of life, you know, his, he's more of an open book, you know, and, um, and we, you know, we, we find out why, or we've, we've, or we've already assumed why pretty much throughout the whole show. And um, so like, uh, we find out eventually that, um, Mark had a younger brother named Randall who his mother nicknamed Roro and um, they were like having like a cookout or whatever and uh, Randall was drawing a 
picture of a fish with one fin on it. So it kind of goes back to like Gus the fish, you know, from the first episode or two. Yeah. And uh, and they were gonna, you know, go to the cave that they went. They like to go to a cave. Just another interesting thing because caves often resemble like symbolism, like hiding yourself and that kind of thing. So that's interesting. And then, um, you know, is his mom. Mark's mom, I mean, I watched this a few times, right? So it seems like Mark's mom favored Randall a little bit over Mark because she had a, like a cute little nickname for him, but didn't have a nickname for Mark. Um, when they, when, when she was asking if they were hungry, she, she asked Roro first if he was hungry. So it seems like she already kind of had a sort of favoritism already going on between her, her two children. So, um, they they go off into the cave. Um, Stephen before they go into the cave, though, yeah. mm-hmm. an interesting thing happened where Mark steps on what looks like the dead skeleton of of like a hummingbird or something. Uh, oh yeah, I think it was Stephen. No, that was. Oh, that's what, uh, well, whichever one it was at the time, because that's actually before he created Stephen. He was pretending to be Stephen. No, I know, but I mean, Stephen was following the memory, though. Oh, and he that, and he stepped on it. Anyways, sorry, yeah, but yeah, no, right. he um, but yeah, he uh, stepped on it, and they noticed it as they went by. I think they might have all stepped on it as they went through. Oh, okay. But um, it was very, it was very reminiscent of the way that Mark and Stephen see Kanchu. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so. I'm thinking it kind of almost implies that Kanchu's been there the whole time. Yeah, I mean there are because there are some of the comic book series because they have there's different you know series of Moon Knight that have to tell um, different stories, <laughs> and there is one a series where <clears throat> Kanchu basically showed up in his life when he was just like a small child, like you know eight years old or whatever, and pretty much that was kind of like when he was first um, experiencing um, issues with DID. So Kanshu was like already at that time, just kind of manipulating him, sort of like guiding, guiding him to, you know, become a mercenary and eventually claim him, you know, at a certain time to be his next avatar, which, you know, you think that seems like a lot of work and a lot of years to be doing something like that. But, you know, when you're, when you're a God who's, you know, thousands or millions of years old, that's really not, you know, at the time so it's interesting but we'll, we'll see if that's actually what was going on probably i'm thinking that might be what's going on because and like you mentioned too like you know his mom may have had some kind of did or mental health issues too just because of like how she anyways i'm getting ahead of myself so like steven he, he jumps through the memory before mark can, can get to it so mark's kind of locked out you know, of that memory right there. So it's just Steven. And he finds out that, you know, it's raining. Um, they're kind of playing the game, um, basically reenacting the TV show that they were playing at the end of season four, the Tomb Buster show. Um, they're like reenacting like scenes from, from that show as they're going into the cave, kind of pretending to be the characters, you know, from that show. Like, that's why they were going into the cave is kind of like, you know, sort of exploration kind of thing. And if you think about it too, the cave actually in the TV show looked very similar a little bit to the actual cave um, that they're going into a little bit. And um, it's interesting too, too, because in the, 
in the TV show, they find a skeleton. So that's interesting. But um, so um, basically, Randall drowns or Rowo drowns because the water is rising too fast and uh, Mark couldn't couldn't save him. And so then they go um, to the next memory and it's uh, the, the, the Shiva, uh, which is a Jewish period of mourning, I believe is seven days of just, that's all you do, just mourn. You don't do anything else. Just pretty much just sit down and just with a bunch of people and just just mourn and basically reminisce really for like a whole week. And uh, his mom, you know, basically just blames Mark for everything, just almost just turns into like a completely different person and like, super angry and stuff but then at the same time because because you mentioned before that maybe she had did and i was starting after yeah. i watched it a few more times it it really did seem like it, it wasn't just like anger i mean like like her her tone and facial expressions almost seemed like it was like a different person like, and, and and the other thing like, too at one point when uh <clears throat> when when she is about to come into his room and like beat him mm-hmm um, he says, that's not my mom, that's not my mom, that's not my mom. Right, yeah. So, it's either him trying to hide the fact that she is that monster. Right. Or he's saying that she is two identities. Well, that's... Or, or, yeah, or, could, or could, it could be any kind of mental illness, too. I mean, it could be, you know, bipolar disorder or something yeah. of that nature, too. Yeah, it could have, yeah, it could have been some kind of anything like that. But, like, um, <clears throat> but, no, she just did have a different kind of look about her like just like facial expression oh sometimes it's hard to you know i mean obviously you you need to you know we can't diagnose people based on the tv show but like um <clears throat> yeah especially you know, fictional characters who aren't really yeah exactly <laughs> you know because they're all they're all such great actors in this show, <laughs> so like um but yeah so mark pulls them away pretty much right at that moment and um <clears throat> which kind of confused me because he turns into steven right before she's gonna start beating him so then like did that immediately turn back to mark like right before that happened or or what because like he still had like the british accent right before she took the belt and was about to hit him but see my my theory is that he actually turned into the third identity oh the jake guy yeah that we have yet to completely meet in this because i think that we have met him several times in the show yeah, because I was watching Screen Crush and stuff, and like when he was in, um, you know, Doctor Harrow's office, his accent kind of became like a more of like a New York or Bostony kind of. Well, it was guy. it was kind of a Chicago accent, like a deeper Chicago accent than yeah. Uh, yeah. And like and he was just acting different too than Mark. Didn't that didn't really act like Mark at all? Much more, much more brazen, uh, less less self discipline. Because Mark, you know, his violence always has like a purpose to it you know he's very controlled where this guy is very much more just like unhinged you know um is kind of just looking for a fight basically and um and there's been some theories too i've been reading hearing about that that perhaps Kanchu really was actually more after this guy not mark but since mark is sort of like a little bit easier to control then you know kind of settled for him but he really Plus, there, I think I think a lot of the more brutal killings and the killings that make no sense are Jake. Yeah. Um, like, like for example, when they were killing those guys on that rooftop mm-hmm. uh, a couple episodes ago, and um, and 
and uh steven says what'd you do and mark's like i didn't do it you know so it's like right. yeah yeah because when he was mark he he just like slapped one of the guys across the face when he when he had him like in his shirt collars or whatever you know just you know knocked him down basically just you know incapacitated him you know so he wasn't really looking to you know kill anyone because like yeah with Kanshu, you know he's only supposed to kill like really really super bad people like like you know he's not supposed to kill people that he wants to get information out of you know that kind of thing that's that's more of a that's more of like a just it's like it's it, it's like it's like early arrow compared to later arrow in the tv series yeah. where when he first started yeah, out he had. when he first started out he would kill anybody almost yeah, you know with reason remember. but then eventually he stopped killing and that's kind of like i think the difference between jake and mark yeah definitely so uh yeah so we go through a lot of memories like this like we go through a room you know this is before the the, the cave incident, but we find a whole room of all the people that Marcus killed as Moon Knight, and uh, they're all just sitting there, dead or supposedly dead in the cafeteria of the asylum. <clears throat> and there's like you know, fifty of them at least, or something like that. A lot of people. Um, I was surprised. I, I figured there'd be even more people that he's killed, and maybe it wasn't all of them in the in the room. But um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, just really interesting episode. Uh, it's hard to kind of talk about just because of like the layers of it all. Like, um, cause like not a lot happened like physically in it, but there's just so much like, um, symbolism, you know, going on mentally, you know, spiritually, physically. Cause like, you know, like we got the whole thing, like with the broken family thing going on, like when his brother died, you know, his mom just became like an abusive, terrible person. And then, yeah, she didn't want to celebrate birthdays with him. Yeah. Um, He did. Whenever she was alone with him, when his dad would leave, she would say horrible things to him so that, you know, out of fear shot of her dad, like, I mean, she was saying, a piece oh, of yeah. shit to him. She was a terrible person, like saying, "Like, oh well, you were always jealous of him ever since he was born, and you know, I, I should have known that you would have done something like this. Like, yeah, you purposely killed his brother, like really." Yeah. But then it goes back again to the whole idea of projection, where I think she always favored Randall over him in the first place. So she's just projecting the fact that if one of her sons were to die, she would rather have been Mark than Randall, which that shows her own issues you know right there and because you know yeah yeah i mean i mean it's 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 the whole johnny cash situation where because the same the same exact thing it 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 almost is exactly like what happened with johnny cash yeah yeah it is where where you know but but it was his dad not his mom Mm -hmm. but his dad always blamed him for his brother's death and right you know basically said why couldn't it be the other son sort of thing yeah, and then they did the whole thing in Walk Hard as well, where mm-hmm. the wrong son died, you know, that whole like, yeah. dumb song. Yeah, it's pretty much what it is. And, like, well, like you know, because I watched it three times, you know, because I've been trying to watch all of them at least three times just to get a better idea of what's going on. And I noticed after the third viewing that, you know, she didn't have a nickname for Mark. It was just Mark. But Roro, you know, that was Randall. Um, you know, she offered him food first. Um, you know, Mark kind of made a little like a little joke about the fish she was drawing and she's like, Oh, be nice to your brother. You know, it wasn't even like a bad joke. He wasn't really making fun of him. Really. It was just kind of teasing them very lightly. You know, it wasn't like, a, yeah, and I mean, it wasn't overt either, but it, it was subtle things yeah. that she did. Yeah. Yeah. There was subtle little things like that. And then, um, and then, um, 
<clears throat> so Steven, though, like, has all these memories, though, his mom being nice. So I'm trying to figure out, did Mark, like, create fake memories for Steven? Or did she actually, like, or did she know that Mark had DID and would treat Steven well when he was in Steven mode? But then when he was in Mark mode, she would just go back to being a piece of shit to like, I, don't that, know I mean, I, I hope we get that revealed, but I don't know if we will yeah, <clears> with, the, with, the, with the time we have left. But I, I like your theory that it was basically she was nice to nice to Steven because he would become Steven as a way to protect Mark. Um, right. Because she didn't blame Steven for for Roro's death. She blamed Mark. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, so like, did they both know? That he had like this mental disorder, like both of his parents, or so I, we didn't really. I, yeah, I'm thinking they might have, you know, because we don't know when it started. I mean, we do right, know when yeah, it started, we, but when, when when he was talking, when it when it got so obvious that it was starting, and yeah. you know, I have a feeling that his parents knew about it, and that was so, probably what it was. Is she probably, in a way, favored Stephen over Mark, the way she did Randall yeah. over. Mark. Yeah, because Stephen kind of reminds me of Randall. It's almost mm-hmm. like he took on the personality of Randall as yeah. Stephen, essentially. So Stephen basically just became like a placeholder for Randall, kind of, in mm-hmm. a way, uh, with a British accent because of the TV show. Yeah, TV show or movie. I can, I'm not really clear on what that was. Yeah, it so. could have been a movie. Um, yeah. You know, because it said, have no fear, Stephen Grant is here. That was like the, the main yeah. character. And like in the comic books, where that uh, like where where he has that like hung up on his wall, like not exactly. I mean, because it's a drawing compared to the reality, but he has like mm-hmm. an Indiana Jones poster instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like, uh, so I mean, obviously, it's a Indiana Jones wannabe with a British accent. I mean, he he's yeah, not British in the in in the comics. Stephen's not British, so right. He's just uh, American. Because that's the other yeah. thing too. Is like they they had to have known. Yeah, that just buttresses your theory even better. Because, like, why would he suddenly have a British accent when they lived in America? Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like that. Like, and um, and his dad was like, you know, an enabler. I've know, read some interviews like, with uh, with Oscar Isaac, and he said he's he he tried to make sure that he got it right enough, but was okay if he screwed up sometimes because he knew he was an American pretending to be British. Okay. So. He wanted to have it believable for the audience that he was British, but if he screwed up, he didn't really care that much because <laughs> he knew the character right. wasn't British. Well, yeah, okay. See, that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's a good way out of that. And it was his idea um, to make the character British. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Because um, um, because they said they were going to be they they were going to have it taking place in London, and um, he says, "Is the is Stephen character going to be British?" and they didn't want him to be British at first, and then he he was supposed to have like a New York accent or something, and then they were like, oh, okay. no, yeah, and they're like, no, you know, they just wanted it to take place in Britain as opposed to as opposed to New York, where all the other MCU t- things tend to take place. Yeah, yeah, they do a lot of them do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so, do you want to take yeah, a break really quick before we get to yeah. more into this? Yeah, sure. Um, before we before we go to the break, really quick though, um. My uh, friend of our show, Justin, um, is a is a military reenactor, 
and they have a big show coming up in the Finley, Ohio area, if you're interested. <laughs> if you like some good action type stuff, you know, it's probably fun to watch. Um, the, the, it's the big uh, 35th Annual Armed Forces Day Celebration um, with a Finley military show. Um, they, uh, it's May 19th through the 22nd. You can find more information at www.findleymilitaryshow.org. So, check it out. It might be a fun thing if you happen to be in the Northwest Ohio area. Where we're located. So, yeah. Alrighty, we'll be right back. No Outlet Live. Hey, I'm Jay Remy, host of No Outlet Live. If you're in a podcast that explore any and everything, check us out. We stream anywhere you listen or watch podcasts, or just type No Outlet Live one word in your Google search bar to find the show. Live Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook. No Outlet Live, your road to boredom ends here. Do you like Tessa? Do you think this will be a date that can last? Well, uh, she's not very articulate. And we are back. Okay, yeah. so, you know, um, I mean, one of the things that I think is it's it's kind of tragic because I do believe that uh, the way that Mark's mom treated him, her constant abuse and everything, basically led Mark to becoming a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, she was violent, created violence in him, you know. Um, and like Mark, we, we, we learned in here that he did not kill the archeologists. Um, you know, it was his, it was the Bushman that was with him. Um, and, uh, we also learned through this thing that, uh, (laughs) Mark's partner tried to kill him. And he's dying, and he's at the f- foot of the statue of Kanchu. And uh, Kanchu basically saves his life then. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mark was about to, like, pull the trigger on himself. Mm-hmm. And go out all Kurt Cobain style. Too soon? Yeah, we go too soon, about 30 years too soon. Okay, but, um... yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, why did he go all the way down to the statue of Kanchu to kill himself when he could have just done it anywhere? Was it like a weird source of comfort for him? Which then I think he was just of, trying to find somewhere to hide. Maybe, okay. Yeah, that's my guess. You know, a dark place, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, but, too, if we're going back to the theory that Kanchu may have been, you know, because Stephen actually says... It could all be predestined. Yeah. Yeah, because Stephen says he's, he, you know, says that tricky old vulture or whatever, because Steven does not like Kanshu at all. I do not trust him at all. No. And, uh, I mean, Mark doesn't trust him, but he sort of does at the same time, where Steven's just like, I don't like this guy at all. Like, he's, he's not good news. No. And um, he said, you know, he's been manipulating you from the start, which, you know, in the, in the particular scene, we're led to believe the start of his mission, but he could have been literally from the start, like, of his life or when he started experiencing... So, you know, mental health issues, you know, um, 
And it's interesting here, too, because Mark allows Stephen to see this memory mm-hmm. well with, as well as all these other kind of hurtful memories. But there's one that he won't let him see at first. Oh, yes. He, right. keeps, he keeps him hidden. He's trying to protect him from the fact that Mommy's dead. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So he... Uh, so basically he when he keeps trying to do that he he like basically keeps freaking out and ending up back in in Harrow's office. Right, yeah, Harrow's like telling him like you 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 know you've zapped out again or whatever, you know, like yeah. So it's hard to know what's reality and what's not. Um right, and that's sort of Mark's sort of like reassurance is like going back into the psychiatrist's office. Yeah, it's so. like he's creating that situation to protect himself like he does his yeah. uh DID. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. So basically, uh, while he's in the office with Harrow, though, he does explain to him that he's been making progress, and uh, that he, he hopes Mark will allow Stephen to know the truth of what happened. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, basically, what we find out is that, uh, you know, his mother was abusive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then eventually we find out that, um, <clears throat> that, uh, Stephen was basically created because of this. And then we also find out later on that the mother died. And he, the memory that he wouldn't let see was him standing outside the house during during her shiva. Right, and drinking, which again, that could have been Jake as well. Yeah, because Jake, Jake, I think every time he drinks, it's Jake. I think, yeah, it does seem like um, his... So he was like alternating between Mark and, J- and Jake, essentially, at the, sh- the shiva, um, or outside of it, you know, the window or whatever. Uh and, uh, yeah, Mark, Mark was amazing. Mark was found it too painful to, you know, go inside. Right. I mean, I I, I probably wouldn't even shown up at all. If it was me, to be honest. But um, but he probably did it for his dad, even though his dad was kind of pretty much at fault for the whole thing as well in his own way. But and I think that his mom dying is where he ended up uh, allowing Stephen to control the body more. <clears throat> Yeah, because that's what he said. That's when their lives started to kind of meld into each other more. Because before that, they were just like I guess completely separate. Like, um, like they had no idea that they existed. Basically, separate. Well, well, Mark knew, but Stephen didn't know um, <clears throat> that the other person existed. So, um, and this whole time, by yeah. the way, I mean, we I know it's we're trying to balance these scales, so. Yeah, see, all this, yeah, exactly, all this is going on to balance the scales, because if they don't balance, they're both going to get thrown overboard anyway, um, so they pretty and, much... And it's to... interesting how their their hearts, when she pulled them out of yeah, the chest, look, look like these, like, marbles or something, like these, like, yeah, marbles. They're, they're like white. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that might just be because it's Disney Plus, and they don't want to be too bloody, um, but <laughs> yeah, it could be symbolic too, like yeah. crystals. Or but also too, the other interesting thing. I know we're kind of like going, like skipping through a lot of different mm-hmm. like chronological thing here, but like doesn't really matter because this show is really not chronological. But um, yeah, and, and hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've watched it. If you haven't, I don't know what's wrong with you. 
Well, exactly. Why would you listen to us? But but please laugh at me. Please laugh. Please please laugh. laugh. Uh, please laugh. Yeah. Not at but, uh, me, actually, uh, with me. I don't want to be laughed at. Well, no, no, laugh with you, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but one of the things that got me, I just remembered, was um, when uh, um, Tallarette, you know, was first talking to them, and she was saying that it's been a long time since anyone has crossed through. So what I'm thinking is, why was no one else, like, do you have to, like, believe in the Egyptian gods to go through that version of the afterlife like because like to me like like most religions pretty much teach like whether you believe it or not like their version of heaven or hell is just like universally true like it's not whether or not you believe it is and then therefore you go to one of those places or states of being or whatever. and it's like i'm trying to figure out how many different versions of the afterlife are there right in the marvel cinematic universe Cause yeah, cause she said it's been a long time since anyone has crossed through her. So how many thousands of years have she's just been like waiting for someone to to do this? I mean, just I don't, I don't. I mean, because we've kind of we've kind of seen the afterlife when it comes to you know, like when somebody violates time in Loki, we see the different afterlife when it comes to like Asgard. And uh, yeah, like in Black Panther as well, the ancestral. Plane, yeah, so um, there's like there's been different types of the afterlife within this same universe so it's like are they all true are they you know yeah are they all or do you have to just believe in some and then that's the one you go to like kind of like you know if you're like you know thor odin you know you're not going to go to the egyptian underworld you know you're going to go to the nordic one or 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 whatever yeah um but i know so maybe it's just because of the fact that you know then again though there there's people in this this day who still believe in the old Egyptian gods and stuff. So oh, like, yeah. it's not Mark. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I don't know why none of them would ever pass through. So it's still open for business that. then, right? Because you got some customers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, and she's such a very nice goddess though. She's yeah. It's, like it's so just so funny. You know, that cute little voice. Yeah. I mean, she is so pure, but at the same time, she's like, like the rules are the rules. Like I can't help you if, mm-hmm. you know, if it doesn't work out. Like, you know, um, like if if we, uh, but we do find that it, it does look at like um, at some point that um, Arthur Harrow and his followers did resurrect Ahmed because she's seen people being prematurely judged, which is what Ahmed is supposed to be doing. So like that's probably actually happening right now. Like a sort of Thanos type of situation is going on. You know, currently you know I, I, I have this wild theory here. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think when we find out the judge that he, ra- he, he raised, it's actually going to be Judge Judy. And, oh, um, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm joking. <laughs> she is kind of um, firm, though, and strict. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It could be Judge Amit Judy or something like that. <laughs> That'd so, be funny if they hired her to play the character. That would have been actually hilarious. Um, yeah. Did. Um, we don't know yet. We haven't heard her voice. No. But, um, that would be like the greatest reveal ever, though, if it was actually Judge Judy um, <laughs> doing the voice of Amit. Um, and again, purple. Yeah. That, that's that color. Purple mm-hmm. is usually it usually resembles power and or spiritual, metaphysical stuff. Kind of really depends on you know how it's being used. Kind of, but they tend to. Well, I don't know. 
they seem more violet than purple to me with Amit. I don't know, but um, maybe not. Maybe it's like yeah. a, a lighter purple than like the Power Stone would be. But so maybe that kind of takes more of a mystical uh, color. It was, as opposed it was to deep, purple. deep purple. The band, yeah. That yeah. would be the, that would be a good reveal right there if Amit was the band Deep Purple. Yeah. Like not not just like a, a member of the band, like the band itself, Deep Purple. You know, is, with, with with Judge Judy as their new lead singer. Judy as their lead singer. Yes. What the hell? <laughs> uh, so um, oh God, there's so much here. So like. All right, so we do we do eventually find the the Shiva, or or the Shiva. Stephen sees everything that's going on. Um, Mark Mark breaks down. He takes his yarmulke off and starts pounding it into the ground. Ground, and he apologizes to the hat, but then he also is apologizing basically to Randall for quote letting him die. Yeah, and then we see his eyes go back into the back of his head, and then he becomes Stephen. And Stephen has no idea where he's going, and then he immediately picks up the phone to call his mom, even though he was literally just standing across the house from where his mom yeah. was. And he's basically telling her he's lost again. He has no idea where so he's So at, at least we know that, you know, timeline-wise, it wasn't like he's, his memories reset each time or anything, so we do know that he's continuing his life and didn't know yet that his mom was dead or whatever, you know? Right. But my whole thing, though, is, <clears throat> you know, this was right where um, their house was, though. Mm-hmm. So Stephen wouldn't remember where they lived? Like, I don't really get well, that. Well, I don't think he probably way. ever knew where they lived. It might have just been, Oh. you know okay. what I mean? Like, he, he just okay. came out when he needed protecting. He didn't know details because it okay. wasn't until he was able to take over the body more that, that after his mom died that he ended up creating a life of his own oh okay i see i got you all right um because he was just there it's kind of like a he was like in a he was like a fire extinguisher he was only there if you needed him but now he's more yeah, like yeah. but now he's more like a a shelter that you can hide in you know he's there all the time yeah, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, so he calls her again on voicemail, because like, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, he only ever communicates by voicemail mm-hmm. because she's not alive, and <clears throat> that's why he's always doing that. And then we do eventually um, get Stephen in Dr. Harrow's office, and then um, there's a really sad scene where he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go and call your mom for you. And he's like, no, please don't do that. He's like, well, let's just take a second. And he's like, just don't. No. She she doesn't like to be bothered. She screens her calls because he knows like at this yeah. point that there's no one going to be on the other end of the line, you know. And that was a really sad scene. And then um, <clears throat> and then uh, sorry if I'm if I'm taking up all the time. Oh no, that's fine. Um, basically, I think what what else ends up happening here, if you if you don't mind me saying, um, basically the um some. They they need the the scales to balance here, and the scale is nearly balanced, but something else is going wrong. And uh, Towerit um, notices people are people are dying at alarming rate, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, and that Harrow's probably behind this. Maybe maybe Ahmed is too, but Mark and Stephen. Need to re- need to return home to stop him, 
but they're still dead, so she's trying to get them back to back to Earth, basically. Right. But uh, so we have these like zombie type creatures coming up on the side of the boat from the sand, trying to kill Mark and Stephen, and they end up getting Stephen pulled into the sand himself, and he starts to turn to sand. Yeah, because Mark wasn't fighting back. Huh. Mark pretty much like wanted to die it looks like and Steven was pretty much doing most of the fighting and then that's when he pretty much saves Mark by jumping at one of the zombie guys and then they both fell off the boat and then and then yeah it's, now it's just Mark. I really hope that they don't just completely kill Steven enough. Like, I don't I really think they don't. will. Because yeah. um, <laughs> I'll, I'll end up voting down the entire show if that happens. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll just they, think my favorite MCU show to my worst, my least favorite. So then <laughs> we, we, we have an issue where here where um, then uh, <clears throat> after that happens, things become balanced. And uh, Mark is sent off to the field of reeds. And uh, he's kind of in this new paradise and he's admiring where he is. And we have credits. <laughs> yeah, and they're playing a Spanish song. I think it has something to do with like God and stuff like that. And um, uh, I forgot the translation, but it had something to do with like going to heaven or whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, so he's in quote heaven, which you know doesn't really seem like a great heaven to me if you're just in the field of reeds. I mean, that's no big deal. What's I mean, you get bored with that pretty quick. But like, I guess it's better than being like in a dark hellscape. But like. You know, <laughs> and if you're hungry, you can eat the reeds. I guess I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the feel the reeds probably takes you into a different. Place yeah, I'm sure you. that's that's probably the gateway to where you're going. Not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. So then now we're probably next episode's probably going to be a temptation for him to just stay there or go back to Kanshu, which tortured him basically, and then um. Yeah. You know, but he's probably gonna probably gonna go back. Cause he wants to save the world from like a second Thanos type of, you know, deal, which, which again, kind of pisses me off a little bit. I mean, it's a great show, but it's like, it just kind of reminds me of Thanos, but on a lesser scale, because it's like, that's my whole problem with like, when you introduce someone like Thanos, who like literally eliminated half the universe, how do you like go up from that? Because now we have an Egyptian goddess who just wants to kill like a whole bunch of people in one world. As opposed to Thanos, who wants to do that throughout the entire universe. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, like it's kind of like comparing crazy. comparing Hitler to Charles Manson. They're both bad. Yeah, it's like, but it's, <laughs> yeah. So that's like my only kind of gripe mm-hmm. with that. Even with like the whole Amit story, it's like, well, who knows? Maybe it's more because since because like, they did talk about all the intersectional. So maybe maybe Amit's doing this throughout the multiverse, not just this universe, which is what Thanos did. So you know. Who knows? She could be doing it much more. Or it doesn't matter. It's just a bad thing that they're doing. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, stealing a dollar from someone that needs it as opposed to stealing a million dollars from somebody else that needs it. You know, it's you're still... It's kind of like the Ra's yeah. al Ghul mentality. Yeah. Like, like, each crime is equally bad and should be equally punished. It's absolutely insane. But like, yeah. Uh, but, know, well, no, but what, what, what I'm getting at is it just because it's a lesser crime doesn't mean it's not bad. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. of course not. I mean, yeah. If you're going to kill, like, hundreds, millions of people or something like that, you know, um, which, you know, again, is going to further completely fuck up the world psychology because, like, the world <clears> and the MCU is going through a lot of 
a lot of just and, uh, and like I ask in a lot of these things, if this is happening on Earth, where are the Avengers? Well, aren't they mostly disbanded at this point? I mean, um, yeah, but still, if bad things are happening, wouldn't you stand up and? <laughs> yeah, but there's only like one of them left, I think. Um, well, not even just them. I'm just saying, like the any any of our heroes that we've met in the MCU. <laughs> well. They might not even know what's going on at this point. That's the other thing, too. Um, I mean, we don't... All we know is... Oh, I mean, Moon I'm not saying Arthur that that's... Know. I mean, it, I don't really even need an explanation because this just happens all the time whenever you have a connected universe, like on the Arrowverse yeah. or something, where you'll have something bad going on in Central City and you're wondering why people are hanging out in Metropolis and not coming over to help or whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> well, it's because they got their own bad guys yeah. in those shows that they're dealing with too and then you got I don't but know. they always ask like everything's the end of the world and you're just like okay if the if it's really the end of the world it's gonna affect everybody um but <laughs> yeah i mean because got spider-man he's probably dealing with his shit still right yeah. now um you know and so is dr strange and everybody yeah, yeah but strange. but anyways yeah, you know so is it going to, what's that but anyways that's just the way it goes in these type of things yeah i mean you can't you could do as much as you can to connect everything together, but <laughs> it can become really complicated to do everything. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Anyways, um, any other final thoughts on this episode here? Uh, no, not really. Um, just, um, you know, just be nice to people. If you're a parent, you know, don't don't be mean to one of your kids, you know, just because something bad happened and, you know... All that jazz. Um, yeah. Make sure you sing a lot of jazz. If you like jazz. Or if you don't, you can use it to punish people. If you don't like jazz, it's going to be a problem, yes. Because um, <laughs> jazz is really cool. Um, even Kenny G's not bad, if you think about it. I mean, his music's kind of straightforward, <laughs> but he's a really good saxophone player. Um <clears throat> Indeed. Speaking of which, you know, he was in a music video of Katy Perry back like in 2011, um, playing the saxophone during the music video. Interesting. Uh, well, he, yeah, he didn't actually record the saxophone solo on the record, but he was in the music video pretending to play it, which I'm not sure why they just didn't just bring him in to record it, but whatever. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they did. And then, uh, I feel bad for the guy that actually that's... recorded it. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, because the solo really wasn't that complex anyway, so it's probably it wouldn't make any sense to bring like a world-renowned saxophonist to record like a simple solo, you know. So um, yeah, you know, so they probably just had someone from the studio uh, do it. But that was pretty fun. To, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you don't like jazz, Ahmet's probably going to kill you. Yes, because Ahmet's a really big fan of jazz. So she's even got her own jazz bands called. Um, Ahmet and the Destroyers, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a bebop, kind of cool jazz, sort of hybrid style. That's cool. So, uh, and, and speaking, of, yeah. speaking of bad parenting, too, I've been listening yeah. to uh, the latest uh, series on Behind the Bastards, which I would recommend mm -hmm. people to listen to, about John Wayne. And his, oh, wow. his mom reminds me a lot of the mom in this show. Oh, wow. She hated him. Oh jeez! I mean, first off, she named him Marion. Um, his John okay. Wayne's real name is Marion. Mary. His birth name was Marion Frederick Morrison. Okay. 
And uh, she uh, decided when she had another child after him that she favored that she was going to steal Marion's middle name and give it to the kid as his first name. What? And then changed his middle name legally to Mitchell. Okay. That's how much she didn't like him. And then she abused him and used to beat him and shit. And, uh... God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's it's an interesting little series that explains why John Wayne became John Wayne. Um, yeah, he was kind of kind of gruff and stuff, too. And, uh, and he was a hypocritical you know. piece of shit. But anyways, so... Um, <laughs> he, had violent, he had violent tendencies as well. Oh, so, yeah. You know, he again, beat his wife. Um, abuse tends yeah. to you know, manifest in more abuse. So, so yeah. You know. But it was just kind of interesting that I watched this episode of Moon Knight right as I'm listening to that. And I'm like, wow, it's very a lot of similarities. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's yeah. interesting. Um, anyways... Uh, be nice to each other, people. Yes. Yeah. Um, be good. Um, you know, wear a condom. Sure. If you need to. Yeah. You know, wear clothes. I mean, that's kind of a given, but yeah. Um, Check yeah. out our Facebook and our TikTok and our Instagram and our grams and our twits uh, check out the twitter yep i was gonna buy it but i couldn't afford it to buy twitter oh yeah i mean you don't have 44 billion dollars. yeah nobody would lend me any money um yeah. well that's that's a big that's a big loan to ask for though so but hey maybe i can buy friendster is friendster still around you probably get that for about a thousand bucks this yeah that's what i'm thinking <laughs> not sure what you could do with it but, i think i could get that for like a cheeseburger and a large fry but um <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the uh um anyways uh check out um that check out our patreon check out our uh tea public and buy some shirts help support the show get some shirts on yeah yeah and wear them that'll help yeah. you with the wearing of clothing and yeah, uh yeah. Until next time, folks. I love you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at cullenpark.com.